my home cooking is healing, bouncing back from redundancy, and balancing career and incoming motherhood. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Maggie, and you're listening to Culture Club. This is our monthly interview with a person we find interesting and that we think you will too. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live, work and record this podcast. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past and present, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. You've most likely seen Jessica Nguyen's home cooking recipes splashed across your social media feeds. With over 100,000 followers on Instagram, Jess is inspiring thousands to cook, drink and host. She's created a cult favourite chilli oil and has worked with some of Australia's biggest brands. Today, we're joined by Jess to chat about the importance of culture and food, how she pivoted her career from beauty, and what the future of content creating looks like for her. Thanks so much for joining us today, Jess. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can you please tell us about you and what you do? Yes, I am a home cook um, and I'm a creative who shares a lot of recipes, dinner party inspo on my Instagram, TikTok and Pinterest. Um, and I've been doing this for a little over three years now. Okay, following you on Pinterest straight away. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I want to go Yeah, do I never really this. push it, but um, it is another platform that I am on. Uh, so if you're a Pinterest person, then yeah, definitely follow me there. And obviously being a home cook, food is very important to you and your content, etc. So where did your love of food come from and what does it mean to you? Sure. Um, it, I think the love has always been there, you know, being a Vietnamese Australian, um, it's part of the culture foods how you show love and connect with people um so I have like very fond memories of being a kid and um having my parents always cook amazing meals taking me to the markets on a Saturday and Sunday um and constantly being around food whether that was in the kitchen watching my grandparents or parents cook um but I guess as you know I've grown up Cooking then became more of a therapeutic, meditative um, activity for me. I used to love coming home from work and then just focusing half an hour and making dinner. And then on the weekends, I'd normally pick a really challenging or new recipe that I'd never done before and decide to make that for a Saturday night dinner for friends. Um, so yeah, it's, it's always just been something that's just part of who I am. And then in the last three years, it became something that I turned into a career. Mm, I love having followed, been following you for the last few years and seeing kind of this beautiful evolution and some of the I feel like some of the food or dishes you're kind of known for so when I think of you I do think of like your 2020 focaccias and your like various passes that you've made uh, throughout the years one other thing that I've loved seeing as well is seeing a lot of Vietnamese dishes that you have shared with the audience um, some beautiful desserts and salads and everything in between was this a conscious choice for you to I guess 
mix your own heritage and your culture's cooking into your content? I'd say it's a bit of both in terms of being conscious but also natural too because they're flavours that I absolutely love and know. They're just like part of my muscle memory, you know. Um, I'm always putting in heaps of herbs. There's always fish sauce in one of my marinades, whether it's like in my pastas like my ragu or my broths. Um, So I think it's just part of who I am um, that I've naturally integrated it. But definitely in, you know, the last, I'd say, two years, I've been a bit more actively conscious about trying to showcase Vietnamese cuisine um, and bringing up a lot of old school dishes, childhood nostalgic dishes and ones that you probably wouldn't really expect or have probably tried before at a Vietnamese restaurant because interestingly enough, a lot of people will always ask me, you know, where's the best place to eat Vietnamese food? And I don't have a restaurant that I love (laughs) because I genuinely think Vietnamese food is best enjoyed in someone's home that cooks for you because there's so much complexity and there's a lot of generosity in Vietnamese cooking from like the marinades to the sauces to the way everything's made. It's quite intricate and and highly detailed um, to like the very elaborate broths that take anywhere between like 24 to 48 hours. So um, yeah, it's it's been something that I really want to showcase, um, especially as a food creator, because I think it's a great way for me to connect with my culture, but I really want to get people more excited about the other dishes beyond the but me and like what you would normally think of when you think of Vietnamese cuisine. 100%. I so relate to what you were saying about how sometimes the best meals from a culture come from a home-cooked meal from someone's home because I used to have such trouble trying to describe what Chinese food to me was to other people because um, I love also going out to Chinese restaurants and such but I mean China's a country is massive the cuisines from different provinces vary so much and restaurants vary so much that what I was eating out at Chinese restaurants I'd never had at my own house. So it is incredible to have that home cooked experience. Do you think you could actually tell us about some of your favorite Vietnamese dishes? Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with what you said about Chinese cuisine as well. Like Vietnamese cuisine is just like that too, where you could just travel 10 kilometers to another province and there is such a difference between Mm. the way even just one noodle soup is made. Like, for example, the way that the north in Hanoi cook pho is very different to the southern version in Saigon. Um, so, yeah, I th- there's always so many nuances. And even, like, my own Vietnamese friends, um, we have discussions about, you know, the differences between how we cook different dishes. But my favourite dishes that... Um, uh, like my childhood dishes. I think the good thing about Vietnamese food is it's highly communal. Um, so a lot of my favorite ones that I've remembered from like family family gatherings are just when we cook a beautiful protein and then we wrap it into rice paper rolls because that's how you 
that's how you would actually enjoy rice paper rolls. So I did a dinner party recently where I baked a whole barramundi, um, marinated in a whole lot of aromatics, and then that got served on the table and it got wrapped into rice paper rolls. But then um, over the years and growing up in my family, we started experimenting with, you know, local produce and different flavors. So my parents have come up with their own version of a really cool rice paper roll, which is actually kangaroo that's been marinated in like lemongrass and sesame seeds. And it's, grilled on a hot plate kind of like yeah. kind of like Korean barbecue yeah but um when the kangaroo gets really charry um it's just got like such a nice flavor and that's like a really nice summery type of rice paper roll where you could like eat that outside with everyone um so those kind of dishes are really fun and I think they're really typical of home style Vietnamese um and then, you know, you've got things like bun sale, which is like the Vietnamese sizzling crepes mm. um, that are also shared. But there's just so many, like even right now in the thick of winter, I'm really gravitating to beautiful noodle soup. So I recently made for my dad's birthday, my best friend's birthday last weekend, and then a dinner party recently, this dish called bun gan, and it's these beautiful tapioca noodles they're very similar to Japanese udon where they've mm. got a bit of chew to them mm. um and I make them myself from scratch which is really fun and it's a lot easier than Italian pasta wow. um, you use a potato ricer to extrude it so it looks like kind of like little like little yet yeah, white worms and <laughs> you boil it up but it's just got such a nice consistency and normally you'd have that in a broth with like crabs and prawn and pork like it's yeah I love a broth that's um seafood and meat like a surf and turf because you just get the best of both worlds in terms of flavor but yeah sorry I could go on no, I love it I love hearing what people are so passionate about and I'm glad it's lunchtime so we can like <laughs> It won't be these delicious meals, but we'll be able to eat something soon. Strategically had lunch just before this because I was like, I can't be hungry. <laughs> so before you mentioned that you've only been doing, you know, your content creation for a couple of years and you've written about it before, but back in 2020, you were made redundant in your marketing and PR role. Can you please chat to us about that experience and how you kind of created a whole new career off the back of it? So that was over three years ago now and it happened to me just before just before the start of the first lockdown in Melbourne, so March 2020. And it was the first time I've ever lost my job. Um, so it was pretty difficult and it was also quite scary because the world was highly uncertain. Um, and at the time, I didn't really know what I would do next because being in a marketing and PR role, um, a lot of those roles were not available. So I guess I just took the first part of lockdown, like the first month or so, and I just said to myself, like, I'm just going to go back to doing something that I really love and I'm just going to start cooking all the recipes that I never got a chance to do um, and just take some time out for myself. And I'd always sporadically shared recipes on my, what was my personal Instagram, still is my personal Instagram. It's just a business now too. Um, 
But I started doing that. I was just sharing what I was cooking, what I was eating and making. And then that just became a very natural catalyst for people to use as a resource during lockdown to um, make a simple pasta for dinner or try a really fun dish. And I even did really fun things like I had a Friday night live cooking segment where Mm. I would release the ingredients. Well, I'd release the recipe at the start of the week of what I'd be cooking and I'd encourage people to cook with me live on the Friday night at like 7 p.m. So I'd release the ingredients on a Tuesday so everyone can go off and get what they want, like what they need. And then we'd all cook it together and then it just became a really fun activity to amuse everyone on Friday but then learn a new skill. So it's crazy. That was back when everyone was doing Instagram lives. But I think um, just kind of dedicating that time to something that I love just naturally became my new job because, yeah, it just – there was such a need for people – to learn how to cook, um, get a bit like gain more confidence in cooking, and that's just really how it just took off. And now, three years on, I'm still doing it mm. full time, um, and it's really fun. I'm still really loving it. That's so good to hear, and especially because in our in our rocky year that's still going on nowadays you know we're in our 20s and so many of our friends actually this year have gone through redundancies and and rejections and I'm wondering did you have any advice to people who might be listening who have gone through something like that um, on how to overcome such a curveball? Yeah absolutely I think um so funny how cyclical everything is because mm. I even have very close friends who are currently going through their own job losses and redundancies mm. because so many businesses have restructured for this current economic climate. I'm in my 30s, so I'm turning 34 this year. So I was in a life stage where I'd spent the past decade um, in the marketing and PR industry, mainly within the beauty industry. Um, so when I got made redundant, it was really shocking and quite scary for me because I held so much of my identity to my mm. career that I'd built. Um, but having said that, because I'd had at least 10 years of experience, it was a really good opportunity for me to just take a step back and reassess and figure out what I really wanted to do because honestly I was a bit over um, the beauty industry and like selling lipsticks (laughs) and for me it was just like okay if you don't have a job you don't have money and you don't have any other commitments like what would you do and for me it was I just want to cook and then that naturally became um, my job so I think it's always yeah, it's always nice to reflect on this and have hindsight, but it's always like the start of change and I think it's really positive change. So um, I would always just see it as an opportunity to redefine who you are and where you want to go. So. Mm. And yeah. you definitely did. Your story <laughs> reminds me of like a modern day Julie and Julia. Have you seen that movie? 
I love that movie. I actually recently rewatched it because I think I got served it on like Netflix and yeah. Yeah, like, you know, not really particularly happy in a job, but then like you love food. So yeah, that story reminds me of that, but with Instagram. Um, (laughs) I actually first came across you and your work through everyone posting about chili oil and everything during lockdown. And I love chili. And I was like, who is this woman? Oh, she's local (laughs) Melbourne person. And so we wanted to know what was the story behind chili oil on everything, which is your own brand of chili oil for people who aren't in the know. And how did this come to be? Yeah, so um, like I said, I back in 2020, I was sporadically sharing recipes. So I think I I made some dumplings once and there was, um, I had chili oil and someone asked me, oh, how do you make that? So I decided to release that as a recipe. So I released it in February 2020 before I got made redundant. So it was mm. one of the first recipes mm that I had on my Instagram that was saved in a highlight. It still is to this day, actually, if you scroll through my archives. Um, and it, because of that, it became one of the most made recipes of mine, especially in 2020. Um, and it just had this, like, I don't know, there was so, so much momentum behind it. I think chili oil was having a moment just like banana bread was in 2020 um, as one of those cult recipes you made in lockdown. And so halfway through that year, I had a friend who had a apron business and she wanted to do like a fun giveaway and I decided to make three jars of my chili oil and um, give it away as a, as a prize. And that just went as close to viral as it could back in the day. And so Mm. it became an idea for me to say, hey, what if I was to make and sell this as a product? Um, And so by November 2020, I made a thousand jars of chili oil um, in collaboration with my friend who who had an apron business. And we sold through all of those over the Christmas period and it sold out um, really quickly. So then it just became a brand and a product. And for me, it was one of the really rewarding projects because I was able to channel my experience in marketing, PR, and use that for my own brand and experiment on something that I've never done before, which is um, food manufacturing. <laughs> Um, so it was like a really fun way to just like take an idea, run with it and see how it would be received. And it was so well received, um, by my community and I still, it's, it's still there as a business, but it is still very small batch, a thousand jars made over a weekend with my parents, Mm. um, and, I still make it in my friend's kitchen who has that apron business, Tazo too. <laughs> it's really wholesome. It's like it's a really nice hobby. I just haven't made a new batch this year because um, I've just got a lot of things going on, including yeah. um, being pregnant and having yeah. my first baby soon. So, yeah, it's a highly physical thing because you're making 250 litres of chili oil at a time and you're like hand labelling, hand packing. Um, so that's on the back burner but, I just think it's a really great 
story on and and I guess again like inspiration for people to be like you know if you have a really cool idea if you always wanted to pursue something like you can and um there's evidence in like if you can build a community around it they'll get behind it Mm-hmm. So your work is so tied in with you as a person. It's recipes you love. You know, we're seeing so much of yourself, you know, popped on your different social media pages. And my question is, is it hard to separate work from hobby? Because this was only like maybe a couple months ago or something. I remember seeing on your stories, you were talking about how you purposely wanted to cook something for yourself without having to post content or the recipe. You're like, this is this is just for me. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, there is always that struggle when you turn your passion or your hobby into a career because once money is tied to yeah. it, then it can feel like a burden and a pressure and then it can make you resent what you do. Like we all have our days where like we're all, oh, I hate my job. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. But I've been very conscious of that um, in my business because everything is really focused on cooking and recipes and sharing that with everyone. And I try as much as possible not to gatekeep all of my information. Um, but at the same time, in order to preserve that love for food and cooking, I have those days where I make a recipe and no one sees it. Um, but it's just because I really want to and it allows me to fall back in love with the reason why I do what I do. So like even uh, this afternoon, I think I'm, I'm planning to like make a really fun apple pie. Um, but with like, you know, that beautiful basket weave kind of lattice Ooh, yeah. um, crust topping, like and then you can like make little patterns. Those kind of recipes where like there's a bit of creativity and expression behind it and like intricacy are the ones that I really enjoy. Um, so I'll do stuff like that or I'll get my parents over and we'll cook a really fun Vietnamese dish that I haven't done before um, that they'll show me. So I think that's important in for everyone, especially if you're a creative who um, your hobby or your passion is your job because you do have to carve that time out to still appreciate and love it for what it is and without you know clients and jobs and work attached to it yeah I think Maggie and I can definitely relate to that being writers <laughs> getting paid to write and then you know we obviously started it because we love it but yeah it's hard to like carve out that time and also not show anyone like I know with like creative writing it's like I can write something I don't have to show it to anyone but you have this like almost compulsion when you're like creating content or like getting paid for it you're like I need like what's the point of it and you have to like remind yourself that no it's for you and your soul and your needs and stuff so definitely resonate with that absolutely I think it's even like so for example last night I was just like craving a beautiful prawn linguine so I sometimes what I'll make for dinner I'll share with people but that's just more of like um here's what I'm eating here's what I'm craving um but there's no like yeah recipe attached to it because it was like Mm -hmm. this was just me in my kitchen having fun and I was like oh I've got to share it because like I love food so much but um yeah I think as as long as you can have that time for yourself to still enjoy what you do then 
um, you weren't resented as much yeah, when you're having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. And also on social media, you like – you don't only just post about food, you've posted about like fashion, you've done like collabs with decor and homeware brands and travel, etc. But I feel like people can be very strict and rigid in what they expect from people on social media and like staying within your niche. So how has it been navigating social media content creation and like not just staying within the cooking lane? Like it feels like you're across a lot of lifestyle niches. Yeah, absolutely. I I guess I have always treated my Instagram as my page. It, it was always my personal page. That's why it's just my name. Um, and going into it as a business, my core values and like my reason for existing on a platform, especially Instagram, is to always add value to people so to educate or to inspire them so it's to teach them how to cook a recipe or to give them inspiration on how to throw together a a menu or host people for a dinner party and I think um, the whole kind of strategy of me diversifying um, is definitely from a business sense but it's also just me personally like if I you know, given my background in beauty, there's times where I will share things about beauty and I will share things about fashion or travel or what I'm doing or where I'm going. That's just literally my life. But if I think it could add value to people and um, help them out, then that's why I share it. Um, So, yeah, but then also from a content creator perspective, um, I like to have diversity in what I do. And I think, again, like, goes back to the business where I don't always want to be sharing recipes because that can get monotonous and boring and I'd like, I like having different clients. I like being able to challenge myself creatively. Um, but I think from also the perspective of people putting content creators in boxes, I think that's quite reductive because we're all people who have multiple interests. So, And my, my content definitely changes and it has changed throughout the three years that I've done, I've done it as a business even now I'm starting to share some tidbits about my pregnancy journey and, and what I'm going through and um yeah that's my choice to share and then it's also people's choice to follow and continue to follow me mm, so true I find it really interesting to see kind of where the social media landscape is at nowadays when it's around food because I was just thinking like a good maybe I don't know seven years ago tasty BuzzFeed videos you know they're really like the the camera down the mm. kind of um sped up videos of those like 30 second videos were all the rage like I used to be addicted to watching them on Facebook and and YouTube and nowadays my um TikTok has such a variety of content from people cooking with leftovers to like zero waste home cooks to dinner parties and stuff. And I'm just wondering, what do you think this will continue to look like in the next few years? Yeah. Sorry, just a, just pop the future of an industry. No, I, I, I really, I know, I really love it. I think, um, I do think that the pandemic was a catalyst. Um, and an incubator to push and promote home cooks, people 
who didn't have any like technical um, knowledge or um, experience. And that is an example of myself because I do I do agree. Like you had your um, BuzzFeed Tasty like food publications that was pushing out food content. You had your celebrity chefs who were either on um, broadcast media with like a social presence, but you didn't really have food content creators. And I and I think a lot of them rose to prominence over the last two to three years because of the lockdowns and then also because of the introduction of TikTok. Um, that's been really key. And it's just been so nice to see that community grow, especially because I've seen so like the presence of a lot of females in food mm. um, where it used to be quite male-dominated. Um, and I think like it would just only grow and grow and I like the fact that um, it's just very much so democratised food where like Mm. anyone can kind of try or share and you don't have to be, you know, a culinary chef. (laughs) You can literally be a girl in your kitchen (laughs) like me. (laughs) I don't know. I, I think what I'm seeing now is, um I guess a lot of people like myself they're, they're they're moving on they're expanding so they've either got um food product lines or they've got books or they, they now are getting profiled and promoted on um broadcast channels like they're getting their own Netflix series or they are becoming the uh guest judges on food uh reality TV shows so I think it's really good. It's it's shaking up the food media landscape, which I think it really needed. Totally. And hopefully, yeah, making it more diverse. And yeah, I love that term, like democratization of the food industry. Yeah, super interesting. And you mentioned earlier that you are expecting a little baby. Congratulations. Thank you. Very excited to be a mom. And you shared it in mid-June. And how have you been feeling, you know, about 23 weeks in? Yeah, really good. I have been pretty blessed to have had a very good Mm. pregnancy so far. It's been really fun because I'm so in tune with my palate and my taste. Mm. So the biggest change has been noticing how I have gravitated towards food and taste. So like, for example, before I didn't know I was pregnant, I had this raging obsession with like fruit (laughs) I was like eating fruit back in March like there was no tomorrow Um, I was just like why and then I also I'm not a sweet tooth so I I didn't used to eat um desserts I didn't used to eat chocolate and then one day I just ate like a bag of chocolate at the shop, like at the supermarket before I even got to like the <laughs> car. And I was just like, who yeah. am I? Wow. And then I started making desserts and I was just like, why am I doing this? And then I literally <laughs> found, and then my friends were like, um, you are 15 days late for your period. You really need to take a test. And I finally did it. And then I was like, okay, I'm pregnant. And that wow. explains everything. It's been really interesting to see how I've shifted in terms of my taste and what I'm sharing. So, for example, 
I used to have a content pillar, which was like a Friday cocktail segment. Obviously, I'm not consuming alcohol anymore, but in its place, I've just had a massive urge to always be eating something sweet. So I'm sharing recipes like I made a vanilla slice that I shared. I've been baking little mini cookies that you can have with your coffee in the afternoons. I want to make an apple pie this afternoon. So yes. yeah, like yeah. you could just tell things are changing, but um, it's it's a really fun, yeah, it's a fun new era that I'm stepping into this year. Oh God, I'm just so happy for you. It was so funny because my boyfriend actually like, we were out in public and he's like, <gasps> And I was like, what? And he's like, did you see? <laughs> and I was like, no. And he like showed me his phone with <laughs> your pregnancy announcement. And I actually like made a noise out loud <laughs> that like someone like turned around and looked at me because I'm just so happy. And it's a really exciting time. Um, parasocial relationships. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Jess is like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is so nuts. It, it's still wild to me when people go, oh my God, my boyfriend made this or like, yeah. you know, yeah. he saw that you're pregnant. I find that just so weird because yeah, I still <laughs> yeah. think of myself as just who I am and not like someone with like a hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So when, you, when you do get those anecdotes from people, it's pretty wild. But I'm so glad he was so happy for me. <laughs> I know. We both are. I have been sending him your recipes for so long, waiting for him to make something. But <laughs> still we're still waiting. holding out. <laughs> um, but on the conversation of motherhood as well, um, you know, Jazz and I have talked about this a lot. A lot of our friends have as well. But there is this existing tension between motherhood and career. And I'm just wondering, was that, something that you relate to that you had to kind of think through as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, like I said, I've always been very career oriented and it was always my belief that I need to establish myself in my career before I then think about marriage and kids and all of that. So that is pretty reflective of my career to date where I spent, you know, 10 years in in a corporate role. Um, but even now, I think um, you're always going to grapple with it because I'm in a very different circumstance these days where I run and own my own business. So now the tension is about how long <laughs> mm. should I take off as a mother because I, I won't get given maternity leave um, like other people who work in companies, but I get to dictate when that is, but then I also have to make a strategic decision on when that should be. Um, so yeah, there's always there's always going to be that issue for women, but I do think it has come a long way in becoming a lot more flexible. And I'm very lucky in my role that is mainly based from home um, that I will be able to probably straddle both. Um, and for example, um, it's a really good situation for me because my husband has been approved for paternity leave. So he'll be able to be present with me in the first couple of months, which is going to be super special. And that is not something that was available, you know, a couple of years ago. And I even honestly don't think that was some like motherhood for me and being a very present mother, Mm. but also good at my job was not something I saw 
I would have been able to do in my previous roles in corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm. It, you're always going to grapple with that, but I think I'm in the best position to be able to now manage it on my own terms. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a balancing and juggling act for sure. Yeah, it is so nice to hear some like positive um, associations with pregnancy and motherhood and career because it feels like a at the moment there's a lot of like as it should be like these conversations are really important about like the mental load that mothers take on and like motherhood in western society etc and that I don't know it just freaks me out so much I'm like well what am I going to do so it's really nice to like hear from women a few years down the track who are like making it work and being positive because <laughs> it's happy yeah. time and it is something that we should look forward to but sometimes especially on Instagram it can feel like oh my god like is it going to ruin my life you know what I mean like, no I definitely had that fear um a couple of years back mm. but I think yeah it has come a long way especially a lot of workplaces that are being a lot more flexible um about motherhood and returning to work and also um sharing that responsibility with mm. you know the father and both parents so um it's a positive time I think for me yes and we can't wait to see that journey unfold on your Instagram even further if you choose to of course but that's um, a whole other thing yeah that's a whole <laughs> other we could keep going on that conversation it's a whole as well other ethical conversation yeah 100% <laughs> we sadly don't have the time to get into all that but whenever you do we'll sure we'll be fine um so Every week on our podcast, we give our listeners recommendations on what we've enjoyed reading, listening to, or watching lately. And can you share a recommendation that you've been loving recently? Yes, I can. I've got two. Um, in terms of watching, I love food shows and food movies. So this should really come as no surprise. <laughs> um, but I recently saw... Flaming Hot, which is a biopic of Richard Montañez, who was an ex-janitor at Fritos, and then he rose to become a top executive. He became the multicultural marketing manager for Frito-Lays and was linked to inventing the Flaming Hot Cheetos. Um, It's a movie that is on Disney+. Plus. It's directed by Eva Longoria. It's a great underdog story. And also a great origin story for a food product if you're a big foodie and love especially spicy snacks like (laughs) Flaming Hot Cheetos. (laughs) But um, I just thought it was really wholesome. It was really inspiring. Um, It was great representation for um, the Latino community. Um, And I loved that it was someone like Eva Longoria who was a director and uh, sharing that story so yeah if you if you love the intersection between um a, a really fun food movie and like a underdog food origin story then yeah go see that because that was a really fun watch um and then my second recommendation for listening is not a specific song or anything but um I recently did a dinner party and um, obviously, I share a lot of dinner party inspiration on how to host a party or pull together a menu. And one of the things I did was I asked all my guests to send through three songs, like one mm-hmm. song that that gave them goosebumps, one song that they were really loving, and one song that they'd play at their own dinner party. And then 
I got that a week before and I compiled that into a playlist that I played on the night. And that was just to get everyone in the mood and to feel comfy and also just to connect. Um, And that was really fun because I felt like it just diversified my music because I feel some like, like sometimes I am listening to the same stuff all the time based on my algorithm (laughs) or just my preferences. So um, I feel like if you want to shake up what you're listening to music wise, it's a really good way um, to, to change it up. But then also you have a really fun playlist that you can have for your next dinner party. That's so fun. I love that. that. Yeah. Like a meta recommendation Uh, almost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And flaming hot sounds amazing. It only came out this year as well. So it's a, it's a good, good recommendation for all of us. I, I love a food movie. So very excited to watch that. Um, Thank you so much, Jess, for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Um, If our listeners want to see more of you, which I'm sure they do, where can they find you? So I am mainly on Instagram. So my handle is Jessica underscore Nguyen underscore, but otherwise I am also on TikTok and Pinterest and most recently Threads. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how that one goes. I still need to to figure that out and see if it lasts the distance. Mm. But um, yeah, you you can find me in most places. Otherwise, you can access all of my recipes for free on my website at jessicanewland.com.au. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us and for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to chat to you both.